Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Word on the Hill, and we are the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. And I am Father Peter Mussett. And we are here. Again. Again. Here. <laughs> so, you guys, this this is what we've been thinking, is uh, we're like, you know... Those of you who are listening to us, um, you have been, you do a lot of different Both of act- you. Uh, both of you. <laughs> One of you, it like, Im- does improvements on their house while you listen to us. Oh, yeah. And then um, another one of you likes to clean your garage. What? I don't know. I just made that one up. You're just making that up. But we, I will give a shout out to uh, our good friend Davin Cole, who is renovating his house as he is listening to us. So I hope you're drinking a cold beer. And, um,. Yeah, I can think of better things to be listening to, but but I'm glad that you're thinking of us, dude. That's that's the best. You know what? I, I actually listen to um, I listen to a bunch of podcasts while I do things. I I really enjoy. Um, I have a a, a, a CNC vertical mill. Um, is that like CNC Music Factory, or is oh, it different? CNC Music Factory, dude. What's that song, dude? Everybody dance now. <laughs> so I should say at this point in the podcast, we have had requests. <laughs> From both Phil and Kim Perez to stop singing. No. Yeah. Why? Because they don't like our singing. Dude, the, our singing is beautiful. It I is should be beautiful. on The Voice. Yes, you should. Yeah. Okay, maybe I shouldn't. No, maybe you should. I should probably be like a technical producer on The on Voice. On The Voice. Yeah. Well, you guys. I would put you on The Voice. Would you put me on The Voice? I've never seen it, so yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> I could not go up against Sarah Simmons. No, I don't know who that or, is, but Amber, there's no or, way. Or Amber Carrington. No, Amber, man. She's something. Judith Hill, dude. Come no, on. Judith. Daniel Bradbury. Oh, man. Now I, I don't know any of these Josiah, names. Josiah, I could whoop up on Josiah. I don't know any of these okay. names. That's because you are not connected to pop culture. I'm connected to some pop culture. Pop culture. Dude, you just popped in your culture there. <laughs> Come on, what pop culture are you connected to? Mad Men. I love, love, love the show Mad Men. And if you're listening to this and thinking, Scott, that's terrible. There's all this debauchery and sin going on in Mad Men. That's well, what I thought in my heart right now. That's how, no, it's not because you like I Mad used. Men too. I know. But Mad Men is brilliant because it falls, you know, what, what, well, I heard a great talk a okay. while ago by a guy named Father Mike Schmitz, who, I, again, I'm sure, another person I'm sure is not listening to us. But if he was, that'd be cool because he's a stud. Yep. But he gave this talk about pop culture and movies and TV, and I wasn't expecting much from the talk. I was like, oh, geez, here's what you to watch, here's what not. But he gave the criteria and said, you know, when we when we look at art and movies and TV and things like that, we should we should base what we're doing on the trans the transcendentals, right? The the idea of this Catholic tradition of whatever is good, true, and beautiful. Is yep. it good? Is it true? Is it beautiful? Mad Men is not necessarily beautiful or good, but it's true. Mm. It's real. And the thing I love about the show that, you know, Don Draper, the main character, is just lives this terrible life. He's having all these affairs. He's doing these awful things. But if you stick with the seasons, you actually get to see the gravity of sin and the effect that it plays out in somebody's life. And it's real and it's it's gritty and it's just I've never seen the story of a human person actually played out so well. It's real it's really good. He gave the example of Les Mis, right? Les Mis, you know, it's it's about a prostitute, you know, but is it is it true? Who, like, yeah, it sells her teeth to take care of her daughter and But it's profound and it's yeah. kind of beautiful in that sense. He he compared it in the talk to uh um what's that movie? Um with Julia Roberts? Roberts. Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. He said, you know, think about these two movies. You got Pretty Woman on the one hand, which is kind of this glorified movie about a prostitute who gets saved by this rich guy. Which is not true, really. I mean, this is it's a false image of this. And then you have Les Mis, which is about another person who sells himself into prostitution, who is essentially saved by a rich guy. But it, it they're two diametrically different stories, aren't they? Wow, one is yeah. true and one is real. 
and one is not, one is fake and kind of sanitized. Anyway, that's a Dude, tangent. Well, I'll tell you, Madman is not sanitized. No, it's not. It is. It uh, is not for the faint of heart, and it's not for your kids. So don't watch it with them. But it does show sin to be sin, which I think is which is a actually very good thing. which is actually the key. But for for authentic art, is, yeah. I mean, <laughs> sorry. The whole question was, what pop culture am I a part of? That, that. and I listen to music that is good. Dude, what's the what's the what's the most recent song you bought? Oh, I don't know what I bought. But Keenan and Nelly, two of our students who are very hip, just made me a CD. Oh, and that has hip things on it. Dude, I just oh bought- oh I bought no no I bought um Sufjan Sufjan Stevens. Oh, who Su- is awesome? Sufjan, dude, that Sufjan, was Sufjan's a stud. Yeah, I I just bought Edward some- Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. No, yeah, no, that's good. I like dude, they're awesome. I like Noah Gunderson, dude. I've been listening to Noah Gunderson. Noah Gunderson is kind of this singer songwriter. And he has this one song called Fire. Nice. And it's and it again, it's like this pop culture thing where he's talking about how he's um he's actually looking for freedom in America, but he's doing it in a way that is um carnal. Hmm. And so he's kind of singing about this and then and then and then it kind of gets towards the three quarters of the way through the song. And he's like, and somebody told me I needed to meet Jesus. And so I went into the stained glass church with the blood red light. And, uh, and he said, and I looked into the eye and, and the lyric is like, I looked into the eyes of all the people and they were burned. And then, well, and then Jesus came to me and the rags of the poor. Well, and, uh, wow. and, and he says, and I wasn't surprised. Wow. And it was like, That's, really, those are cool lyrics. Yeah, dude. The, the dude is like really intense. He, wow. he him and, he he actually he kind of like uh, you know that Alison Krauss song that is like um, I went down to the river. Oh yeah 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 uh, yeah. It's not Alison. Yeah she, yeah, yeah, she yeah, did yeah. a version of it with a all the, of it. those harmonies. Yeah, well, that's the, a great song. The Gunderson family has like some seriously cool music like the, with those harmonies going on and oh, I love that stuff. Yeah, and pretty raw. Now this is the thing is Noah's pretty raw apparently, which is one of my favorite words. Raw. I've been using raw. it more since we've been working together. <laughs> and meta. <laughs> meta. Using the words raw and meta more. Dude, if somebody, what is something is that's both raw and that's meta? Really raw. Um, we could be, if we were doing a podcast on the nature of making a podcast, we would be which I meta. think is what we're going to be working on tomorrow night, if I'm not mistaken. I think so too. Which is a shout out to all of you. Listen, in the future, there is another forthcoming podcast from from the people who brought you the Lanky Guys. We are bringing you another podcast, which th- there's a working title, but we're not going to share it with you. No, no. not with you. <laughs> dude, but it's going to be cool. I'm dude, just kidding. Are you talking to me? No. Are you talking to you me? You know the working title. Are you talking to me? Nope. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. So good stuff. There's good stuff. Oh, and uh, pop culture. I also watch a lot of Dinosaur Drain on PBS Kids. So if that's not pop culture, I don't know what it is. <laughs> eating fish stick. Okay, you? but then let's okay, get, sorry, sorry, let's sorry. let's skip to pop culture and let's get into the deeper culture. Deeper, deeper. Of the, I was gonna say I was gonna sing the title of the Sunday, but but I I no no I, sing I, it. I fell flat. No, Phil and Kim will be will be okay. Holy Trinity. <laughs> I don't think that they're gonna be okay with that one. They dude. will. Dude, we have business today. Okay, let's talk about a business. Don't, don't don't be like winking at me, trying to make me. <laughs> <laughs> I winked at Father Peter before, but I didn't mean to. I think I had something in my eye. He's he's like, do you have anything to say about John? And he winked <laughs> wink, at wink. me. And he winked at me. And I was like, dude, what's going on? Why are you winking at me? I got stuff to say about everything. Everything. I don't know. But you have a lot more to say than me. Well, we'll see about this week. I have some things to say about some things. Well, this is a this is um um the proverbial beginning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh
podcast because we have the Proverbs. All right. So, so this Jesus, week. Jesus be with us. Yes, please. Please. So we're in the Holy Trinity Sunday. So this, so you would think going into these readings this week, because it is called Holy Trinity Sunday, the solemnity of the Holy Trinity, that these would all be about the Holy Trinity, which they are, but not quite as explicitly as I think we are both sort of expecting. No. You know, I kind of went into this thing, okay, I, I, I mean, I could have sat here right now and kind of handpicked ones I would have I would have said okay these are Genesis let's make a man in our image oh sure or the spirit hovering over the waters, waters of creation maybe the incarnation you got there, there's I can think of it two occurrences in the gospels where you have the whole trinity present remember at the baptism of Jesus yeah. you have Jesus the son being baptized God the father speaking from heaven and the holy spirit descending as a dove did you yeah they're, you, they're present you have the mountain you, you the have transfiguration the you have the same scene but the readings kind of make us dig a little bit more this week, which, which in hindsight, I kind of like that about them because we have to, we you, have to wrestle dig, through. You dig it? Uh, nice. nice. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Dude, no. That's a unique sound that we've come up with. <laughs> like we, we like. <laughs> Sounds like a duck getting his foot run over by a car. That was what <laughs> we, in my family we called that. F W E A H. <laughs> I don't know why that tickled my frame on so much. Because <laughs> it's the flank. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. All right. On to business. So our first reading comes from the book of Proverbs, which I, I have to admit to you, Proverbs was not on the front of my radar screen this morning when I was looking at <laughs> the, the readings. It's just not a book I've studied a whole lot. But I did, I did so a little background on Proverbs. What, what's going on in Proverbs? Proverbs. So here, here's the thing about Proverbs. It's yeah. one of those books. It's similar to the Psalms in which you have um, all these things. But, but here's the thing about Proverbs. Proverbs is one of those books that I think people just kind of skip over to the degree, you know, maybe they read some of the Psalms and then they're like, oh, here's volume two of the Psalms, a bunch of other sayings <laughs> in the book of the Proverbs, which I can I can kind of see that. But, you know, it, I was reading some commentaries and, and the ancients always understood. I mean, the Proverbs was not like a book that you would ever just sit down and read through. It really is a collection of sayings, of it, quotations, of, of wise things. It's kind of like uh, Jose Maria Escriva's uh, yeah, the, the way, way or the forge, forge. Or yeah, the forge. The forge. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and actually, the um, well, I, I'll tell you though. Actually, I, I my experience is a little bit different than yours. Well, that's not even my experience. Yet, well, yes. my my experience is that that on occasion you find like proverb geeks. Do you? Yeah, and they will go. I don't know. And they're like, they're like, it is better to have two apples. Than a handful of grain, and I'm you're rolling like, my eyes at you at those people. But, well, because it's because that's kind of laborious when you find somebody who's like quoting you proverbs. Yeah. I just have to say, like, I mean, I dig it, but I don't understand it enough to f- feel like I can. Like, some of them are just obscure enough that I, I don't quite understand what's going on. Well, proverbs. I mean, it, it's it literally is a collection of sayings. It's it's attributed to. Um, Actually, a number of different people, and that's the way the book is structured. It's structured not thematically in any way or chronologically. It's structured according what? <laughs> just okay. How what is it structured like? It, I'm just laughing because it's like then it has no structure. <laughs> no, it does. It's structured according to who is believed to have written each section. Oh, so chapters one through nine, for example, are attributed to Solomon at one point in his life. Chapters oh. uh, ten through twenty-two, it's supposedly another collection of Solomon's. In ten through twenty-four. Oh, I'm sorry. In in chapter 30, it's attributed to a, a Jewish thinker named Agur. In 31, it's King Hemuel. Um, all these different people who are basically the sayings are attributed to. So that's how it's arranged, not in any, any more thematic way than that, but the people who are believed. So it literally is a, qu- a collection of quotations from wise people, and they're kind of put together. 
Now, this comes from the first section, which is chapters one through eight, which is which is in a certain sense the prologue to the whole thing. It's not the body of Proverbs. And chapters one through nine kind of sets up uh, the schema of the whole thing, which is basically reject evil, follow good, reject foolishness, follow wisdom. And throughout the book, wisdom is actually personified, which Mm. is what it's kind of doing here. This isn't the only place it does it. But in a lot of different places, wisdom is actually personified as a person. Which is, I think, kind of a cool, um, kind of a cool deal. So this particular hymn, and, and this structurally, this is kind of its own compact hymn. It's a hymn that describes wisdom's role in the act of creation. Um, again, it's personified. So it, it's um, the early church and the tradition of the church and many of the saints saw wisdom and the way that wisdom is talked about. It, this this happens a lot in the book of wisdom as well, the wisdom of Solomon, the next book of the Bible, or yeah. two more books, whatever it is. Yeah, that's that's one of those ones. I mean, it's like Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, wisdom, yeah, and the rest. But wisdom was seen by the early by the church, by the fathers of the church, as in hindsight at least being a descriptor of Jesus himself, because it is described as a person. And if you read Proverbs 8, where we get this reading from, if you read the whole thing through, and then you go back and you read it alongside of John chapter 1. Remember John chapter 1? is that whole prologue about the, the word of beginning. God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and all things were created through him. If you read them side by side, the structure is almost identical. And wisdom, that's, that's awesome. Wisdom here in Proverbs is being described in its act in creation in the same way as the word of John is. So I always wonder if John has wisdom in the back of his head, being like, oh my gosh, this is the personified wisdom that we've been hearing about from the beginning. It is the second person of the Trinity. It is this God who we call the word of God. What is God's wisdom? It is this word that's spoken. And it's spoken, and it's so real that it's actually a person in the incarnation. So it's kind of cool. So I think um, this does directly relate to to the Trinity. I mean, it's one of the one of the people of the Trinity, and it is a description of Jesus, and not just Jesus, but specifically Jesus's activity in creation, and how Jesus is there, present from the beginning, forming all of these things. Now, um, why not the Holy Spirit? Why, why like, because because uh, as I was looking at that, I mean, I was trying to. Well, I, I, I was expecting the Holy Spirit. Me too. That's th- that's that's why I was going like. Okay, wisdom of God, you know, beginning is forerunner, and I was like poured forth. But actually, you can kind of see um, this really beautiful coordination, like what you're talking about there. Um, it's it's actually it's it's actually really beautiful to to conceive and see it as as Jesus. Yeah, I mean, we know. I mean, first, yeah. We have to be a little bit careful because I don't. I don't think the author of Proverbs is thinking of this as the second person of the Trinity. He's well, just no. Talking I about mean, with, it's writing under inspiration, though. Right, but I mean, we also know that the Holy Spirit's present as well. I mean, again, we talked about that that reading from the beginning of Genesis. What I would have picked if we were putting together these readings, the Spirit is there at creation. The Spirit of God, the Ruah, right? His breath hovered over the waters of creation. It's there, but. And if you look at if you look at the New Testament, then the New Testament, John specifically is very clear that it's through Jesus, it's through the second person of the Trinity that God created all things. What's a, do you know what the Hebrew for wisdom is? It's the word chokma. 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 And this is this well, is interesting. We've talked about this before, not on this podcast. Yeah, yeah we, we've talked about it. Well, because because then then John would be using logos. He would be using Sophia. Sophia. John would be using Sophia. Well, if he's if he's speaking, well, when. What are you talking about? In, in, the, in the Gospel of John. No, he uses the word logos. He uses logos and ratio. No? Uh, ratio is, is Latin. Yes. So I, I think... 
When he says the word was with God and the word yeah, was yeah, God, yeah. that's the word logos. I'm sounding really dumb right now. No, I no, you're not. I don't mean to be. No, because we're dealing, we have to sift through three different languages yeah. when I'm talking about this. Okay, no, lots more to say on this though. Yeah, um, but that that brings up a really interesting chokma. question because if you jump down, I think this is uh, in the later in the, the latter part of the. I've got my microphone literally in front of my face, so I can't read anything. But I want everyone to hear my voice. <laughs> Dude, it I, says, I, I like how I like I like the the, <laughs> the the voice of my microphone is in front of stuff. <laughs> I want everybody to hear my voice. This is where the microphone goes. This but is it weird. says. Um, then I was beside him as his craftsman, and I was his delight by day. The, so the word um, chokmah, wisdom, it literally is defined. I mean, wisdom is kind of in Greek. So when the Bible is later translated into Greek in the, yeah. in the Septuagint, that's translated as Sophia, right? Sophia meaning wisdom. Um, but originally it's the word chokmah, which is better. Tra- the direct translation, the, the exact meaning of chokmah is not when we think of wisdom like sitting around and thinking about things but it's skill or craftsmanship. And there's a great reference to this back in Exodus 31. Remember in Exodus 31, this is where God has already given the instructions for building the tabernacle and they're about to build the tabernacle and they have to find men who have chokmah, who have skill and artistry and craftsmanship. Boaz and Obed. Yeah, Boaz and Obed, but it's described as chokmah. That's what they have, which is the word for wisdom here. So what I think is kind of cool, this is where this all is kind of applicable. If Jesus, if in hindsight at least, Jesus is described as wisdom personified, then it's appropriate. What is wisdom up to? Wisdom is crafting out of artistry the created world. He's building creation mm. out of his chokmah, which is craftsman skill, Dude, artistry. It's beautiful. I have to say, he did really, really good with DNA. I'm just saying, like, as far <laughs> nice as work, as far as things go, man, I'm pretty stoked about like the whole double helix thing. We're all happy about that. I'm happy to have it. Yeah. Happy he gave it to me. And did you know who else is? Is the people who did Jurassic Park? They're stoked about DNA too. Oh, they're then they super can stoked. About replicate it. the dinosaurs. Yeah, they did. <laughs> but they did. <laughs> I'm talking to Scott, and he, he's totally not paying attention to me. He's like, "Oh yeah, dude, Jurassic Park was awesome. I totally loved that. That was sweet with the DNA and the genetic precursors with the the amber and stuff. The ice cream scene where the pteranodons come in. No, not pteranodons. What are they? What are they? What are those things? Oh, yeah, yeah, the velociraptors. Velociraptors. All right, we got to keep going. So solemn. There is a... So solemn... It, so here, here's what is throwing me off a little bit about all of these things. It is Trinity Sunday, but all of these readings are focusing on the second person of the Trinity. They're all focused on the Son, as far as I can tell. Without the Son, there would be no Father, and without the Father, there'd be no Son. That's there'd true. There'd be no vibration. That's true. So in some ways, it's actually kind of an existential approach to say... Really, the the whole Trinitarian reality is revealed in Christ. I mean, well, right, that's our access point, isn't it? Yes. With, with so without him, and like, and so we're seeing in some ways the the works that he's done, and th- yeah. that that's, I mean, that's that's how we end up there. And he's the lens through which we have to see it. We can't see the the Trinity except through Christ. Yes, because of our standpoint. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. But and 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 it's it's interesting too because it, like we've talked about this before in the podcast. We, if we go to the psalm, it says, When I behold your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, and what is man? And why do you care about us? It's yeah. like, it, again, it's looking at this this reality where we, we're seeing, here's Jesus sitting as yeah. craftsman. We see the heavens and we yes. see the earth. And, and, and it's, it's this thing where we see these revelations, but then... But at the same time, none of there's absolutely no way to access the Trinity without revelation. 
Yes. Like, so we can see all this stuff and we're encountering its works, but right. we cannot derive it from, yeah. from, from creation itself. Say that one more time. We cannot derive the Trinity from creation. Okay, yes, right. We can, we can Romans is clear that we can derive God. Yes. But not the Trinity. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. So, right. so these are the, the kind of two themes that we're but, seeing But what here. is Paul saying, though? Even in that, this is in Romans 2, he says that, that what, what we can know about God is plain because creation shows it. But how then are, is the Trinity revealed to us? So if you take Paul's argument, I love Romans. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm not trying to go far afield because our reading is from Romans. But if Paul makes this argument in Romans that, okay, basically he's saying there's all these people who are claiming, hey, we didn't know that there was a God. We didn't know any better. So we were worshiping all these idols and things made of stone and wood. But hey, nobody told us any different. So we're off the hook. And Paul says, no, you're not off the hook. You know why? Because creation itself shows these things. But he's trying to take those people to the next level of the Christian life. How does he do that? Through Jesus, through the second person of the Trinity. Which is which is totally the work that so we have to do. So that's the pedagogy. Up, yeah, that's the work we have to do up here in Boulder. Exactly. I find God yeah. on my run when I go up to Chautauqua Park. That's great, and that's true. That is a true experience. Right, but it's not the end. No. It's not. It's not all. And so we access it through Jesus. But this is where we where we mess it up as Christians and as Catholics oftentimes because Uh-oh. I know a lot of good Catholics who would look at a person who says that and be like, "No, you're wrong. You're not getting. It. You know, you need to be." You know, you need to be coming to Mass, which is all true, but we can't actually negate however God is going to choose that starting point with a person. Does that that make sense? Totally. So we start him, so we're like, no, you're wrong. You're an idiot. You're a pagan. You know, blah, blah, blah. Which they might be, but... No, this is the the whole thing. It's like, as a pastor, I'm here, and I'm going like, okay, I have the question. Do you, as my parish, are you fully converted? No, no, no. And if if I walk, I mean, I am, but I don't know about the rest. Well, Scott, you are. I mean, you're converting me. (laughs) So I mean, this (laughs) this is the thing is that if I walk into a parish and I say, "Hey, I expect everybody here to be fully, totally ready to go. Let's go." Then I forget that I'm a pastor and that I actually have to bring people along. And that's what it means to pastor somebody. Somebody says, "Hey, I experience God in the mountains." I'm like, "Dude, you're experiencing God. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great starting point. Let's actually say, okay, how do we take this to the next point? Like." Sure, the, sure. This this wonderful, and I love experiencing Lord. I mean, the right. weather in, in Colorado has been phenom, dude. You can't complain about this. And I did just say phenom. Yeah, I you did. did. Dude, that's a Colorado thing. Is we 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 truncate words. I think that's a fourteen year old girl thing. I'm gonna hurt you. <laughs> um, I hope you're ready to have me break one of your fingers. So, so the psalm. Back to the psalm. Back yeah. to the back to uh, the, the starting point. This is right. Well, here, here's what I think is interesting about the psalm, because this is this is the starting point. This is the entry point. And that brings up an interesting thing about Psalm 8, which um, I was just reading some people's thoughts and some different commentaries on this. And did you know that in our formulation of the creed, when the apostles and the Nicene Creed were being formulated, Psalm 8 is part of where the, the formulators of the creed looked to get the language. So, oh. so here, there's a great theologian, Patrick Henry Reardon. He's, uh, Arme- he's uh, Eastern Orthodox. But he um, gave this insight. So... What when we're talking about Jesus? So put the psalm aside for just a second. But we're talking about Jesus in the creed. What did Jesus do in the incarnation? A Socratic question for you. He. Uh, well, what do we say in the creed? He became man. He became man. So this theologian was saying, think about the think about the language that's being used here. What the creed does not say is a he became a man, like saying Father Peter is a pastor, or Scott is a wicked cool bike rider, right? He could have said that Jesus did become a man, but the creed doesn't say he became a man. It says he became a man. Yeah. It also doesn't say he became human. 
which is true. He did become a human. But he, he took d- on humanity. But it, yeah, he took on humanity. But but it's also appropriate to say he became human. But it gives this this weird kind of vague idiomatic line. He became man. Under no other circumstances would you use that. You wouldn't say Father Peter is pastor, right? Yeah. Well, you you okay. That's a bad example. You no. wouldn't say John is farmer, or Scott is biker. You know, or <laughs> Matt Matt Bodker teacher, right? You you don't <laughs> say those things. So it's grammatically weird. Jesus became man. But here it says that. Why? Because it, it, it's an idiomatic phrase that becomes singular. There's no other event like this. So the grammar itself actually reflects that. And part of where the formators of the creed looked to was Psalm 8, where it says, when, you behold, uh, when I behold your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is man that you should be mindful of him, the son of man that you should care for him? Here it actually has this language oh. again. And the, uh, the fathers of the church were convinced that this whole psalm, all of Psalm 8, is actually about Jesus. And not only about Jesus, but about his, created, his creative work that the proverb actually just told us about. You have made him little than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him rule over the works of your hand, all sheep and oxen, everything else. Um, they're all... The part of his work, part of hey, the work, and if and if we actually look at Psalm eight, then we actually see an echo of the of the creation story in, in Genesis, exactly of, of yes. uh, formless and void, exactly, exactly. Oh, That's it. I learned something by this. And actually, interestingly, Hebrews chapter two gives a little commentary on Psalm eight. Oh. So if you guys want to do a little homework, it's it's it's. Um, you know what 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 Psalm eight says in Hebrew is what is man Enosh. Enosh is the word for man. And then the next line, or the son of man, but that's the word Adam, the son of Adam. So Enosh and uh, Adam are the two words. Again, Hebrew 2 talks about this a little bit. But, you know, showing in Hebrews kind of does suggest as well that this is all about Jesus himself. There's a an Eastern Orthodox saint named um, St. Nicholas uh, Kavasilis. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but Kavasilis. I don't know. But basically, he said that humanity was formed by God. When God was forming humanity, he did it with Jesus in mind, knowing that in the end, his son would take on this form that he was creating at the very beginning. Does that make sense? It totally does. It, it's kind of wild. It's similar to the whole understanding that, you know, why did Jesus get baptized? There's an understanding that Jesus was baptized not to pur- not to be purified by the water, but because his act of baptism purifies all water to make it acceptable to baptize others. But that man was formed with the idea of the perfect man in in the end, in mind, as, as the telos. Which, you know, the, there's, cool. there's some places that it's, it's been spoken that, um, in, in fact, the, the rebellion of the angels— Yes, comes from yeah. the 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 the, yeah. the seeing and the nature of of how they're going to relate to humanity, which is so yeah. much lesser and or like right. purported lesser than the angel. I mean, we have, right. and so it's really it's kind of intense. I mean, it, totally. I, which actually strikes at the heart of what the nature of prayer is. Even how so? Can we change the will of God? No, absolutely not. Absolutely it's, not. It's, it's permanent, enduring. But somehow, in a mysterious way, the Lord already knows what we're going to p- right. pray for from the right. beginning of time, right. Right. and and seeing and understanding and letting right. letting all things take place in Him. And it's it's a mysterious thing, but we are utterly heard in a way that we can't even right. fathom. Yeah, that makes my head hurt whenever I try to think about that because I don't understand. I mean, that is a paradox of the church. Yes, that He knows what we're going to pray for before we pray it, but we should still pray for it because He needs to hear it from us. Yeah, why? I don't. I don't know, but it's. Dude, I'm looking forward to getting that the big chalk talk in heaven. <laughs> Dude, 
I'm like, okay, what is a chalk dog. The chalk dog is when he's he's at the chalkboard, and I'm gonna sit there and I'll be like, dear, I'm like, dear Lord, <laughs> what in the heck did you mean by the duckbill platypus, man? Oh, just to make us happy. And I'm like, but dude, you know it's even deeper than that. And, and and I'm gonna be like, I'm dude, sure is. what is the nature of prayer? Like, how does this work? I'm like, those are the two questions you're gonna ask. <laughs> <laughs> you should have a little note in your pocket just so you don't forget one. Duck okay, bill. number one, duckbill platypus. Number two, nature of prayer. Thanks, Got it. Lord. And then he'll he'll be there and he'll be like, is this really all you want? Are you for real? Are you for real, dog? I'll be like, but he already knew that beforehand. That's the paradox, <laughs> dude. He knew that was all you want. Which is really interesting because that gets us into um, Romans. Okay. Because we're talking about justification. <laughs> yeah. <which> I, <laughs> okay. Which I can't really... Uh, that's okay. No, that was good. Yeah, thanks. That was good. Your, so, your segment was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Romans 5. Um, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for pandering absolutely. to me. Absolutely. We don't... <laughs> anytime. <laughs> we just don't have time to say all that I would love to say about Romans 5. I know. But... Uh, okay, I'll say a nut, super nutshell. Well, super hold on, duper whooper. Okay, well, okay, hold on. Before we get there. Okay. In a nutshell. There is some, there is like, if you've ever been river rafting. I have. River rafting is like, you know, you're going along and in your, in the river, you're like enjoying, you can kind of like flip around. Sometimes it's deep, sometimes it's shallow, sometimes it's really mellow. And then sometimes you hit really crazy rapids that are like totally tumultuous and difficult to navigate. Yeah. And, um, and Romans five to me is like a set of rapids that are actually very, very difficult to navigate. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Cause I mean, like. Yeah, I mean, there and there's different sex. There's different sections in Romans. You can like hang out with it, and then all of a sudden you get into like some craziness. That's and then, true. And then, I mean, because as soon as you were mentioned the word justification, there's going to be a lot of opinions about how you're even going to talk about what even the nature of justification yeah, is, which and, I have very strong feelings about. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's like yeah, that's what yeah, yeah. like like ultimately, I'm looking for scripture as a useful thing for right. admonishment and building up the body of Christ and helping people to be able to encounter like what we're talking about right. in the Psalm. That you're saying I got to bring people along and help them understand. And so yeah. and, and so sometimes I, I get frustrated with trying to have to navigate this stuff, but, even though it, it it can be really helpful for some. But that's the tragedy, though. I mean, there was a point where this was written, and there wasn't baggage behind every one of these words. I mean, there was a point where Paul was jotting this down and people understood what he meant by justification yes. in a way that's different than the, you know, the way that the Luther has framed the argument since the 1530s now. And we have to deal with this whole question, the baggage that we all carry with that word. I mean, there yes. was a point where that was clean and, and innocent and it's not anymore, which is sad. Yeah. But, but, but as an aside, okay, talk to me about the, uh, what you're going to say, but well, in a nutshell. I mean, we, when we've talked a little bit about this, so my, my whole thing, my whole theological deal, my bread and butter is this whole thing about the four relationships, right? Uh, harmony with God, with self, with neighbor, and creation. Yeah, so basically when God created everything, and you can see this in Genesis, there was a relationship between mankind and God, number one, between mankind and himself, between mankind and others, and mankind and the rest of the created world around him, right? What is uh, and, and the Hebrew mindset, they would call that shalom, peace because peace or shalom for the hebrew it doesn't it doesn't simply mean peace in the way that we think about peace you know there's no war everything's nice no, but it was it was yeah. an overall holistic sense of well-being so remember joseph in the story in, in genesis the genesis joseph when he uh, he meets up with, with his brothers when he's in egypt he says is it shalom with my father is he well you know what what's his state of being mm, that's the word harmony yeah earlier it says his brothers could not speak shalom to him in hebrew so it's it's this it's a very holistic way of looking at things. 
But when sin comes into the world, basically what happens is those four relationships all break down. Mankind stops trusting God, so we break our relationship with him. And subsequently, we're broken internally, we're broken in relationships with one another, and we're broken with uh, the rest of the created world around us, right? That's the problem of Scripture. Every good story has got to have a good problem. The problem of Scripture happens almost immediately. But at the other end of the story, here in Romans 5, Paul begins what what a lot of people think is the central part of Romans, the middle, the, the meat of Romans, by saying, since we have been justified by faith, we have shalom with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think this is the point mm. in Romans where he is establishing his thesis statement that, okay, this is the problem. We lost shalom with God, and subsequently we were at strife with ourselves, with each other, and with the world around us. Through Jesus Christ, we now have shalom with God again. And if that's true, I think what he's going to argue in the rest of Romans is we can actually be reconciled in ourselves. We can be reconciled with one another, and we can be reconciled with the created world around us. And it sets up the thesis of, of what he's going to say. And if Jesus has reestablished that shalom that was broken by Adam and Eve, then what he goes on to say is that through whom, through him, through Jesus, we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand. And that's one of my favorite word pictures ever, anywhere in the Bible. I always picture a guy, you know, I picture you and me standing in the middle of a snow globe. Yeah. You know, you got the snow globe, you shake it up, and there's all the flakes around it. Yes. That's, that's what I picture here. He's saying, now we have access to the grace in which we stand. We're standing in the snow globe, surrounded by grace, and now guess what? We can reach up, and we can grab it, and we can access it. I, ironically, the word for access that's used here... The only other place that word is used is in regards to temple access, where the high priests have access to the oh. Holy of Holies. So he says that's the kind of access we have. You know, when the, when the veil was split in the temple, we now have access to this. Why? Through the shalom caused by Jesus. And so it's, it's, really, it's really beautiful. Again, another uh, passage about Jesus and what he's doing and how he's the on-ramp now, not only to the Trinity, but the, all of the reconciliation in our lives. And then he goes on, he gives this, this spiel about, you know, um, we are going to suffer, though. We're going to have afflictions, which is going to produce endurance and, and character, and character will produce hope, and hope will not disappoint. So essentially, you know, okay, this is great news. Jesus has reconciled these things. He's created shalom, but there's still going to be affliction. There's still going to be need for endurance and character and, and ultimately hope. Um, you know, as all of our parents said, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I mean, that's the idea, that Jesus did do this, but you're still going to have to suffer through it. And if you make it, then that's a sign that there is hope at the end. Yeah. Anyway. Which, uh, you know, later on, Paul also says that, you know, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, one of them is patient endurance. Oh, yeah. In Galatians. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because um, the word ninja. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It means one who patiently endures. Really? Yeah. So, in fact, the ninja is a gift of the Holy I Spirit. I ninja a lot of stuff, man. Dude, yeah, absolutely. Well, you have become a ninja in the Spirit. Yeah. like. Dude, this is that's going to be my next thing, dude. Ninjas of the spirit. Nice, I like it. Because you got to patiently endure, and wait for your opportunity to bring shuriken to the head. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Ah, uh, I'm just kidding. So, okay. do you have anything to say about John? Yay, uh, uh, John! Uh, <laughs> now you're winking at me. <laughs> you did it. Did you did unconsciously wink at the end of your winking that you were <laughs> deliberately doing? That doesn't even make sense. I am. I understand what I say. John's the John's the wild card though, because all of a sudden in John, then we're throwing the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and he says, "I can't." I, there's a bunch of stuff that I have to say, but you can't handle it. <laughs> He's like, "It's true, you can't handle the truth." But but you know it's interesting. He says, "So G this is John 16." Jesus says to his disciples, "I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now." This is before the crucifixion and before the resurrection, so that's important to know. So. 
and we, if we know it's before the crucifixion, we know the disciples are still in a state of cluelessness at this point because they've just been dummies. Yep. Um, but he says, but when he comes, the spirit of truth, he'll guide you to all truth. Uh, he will not speak it on his own, but he will speak what he hears and declare to you the things that are coming and he will glorify me, et cetera, et cetera. So essentially he's saying, okay, I've got a lot more to share with you. I'm not going to do it now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll understand my mission is not. So Jesus's mission on earth doesn't end when he ascends into heaven. No. That's not it. And that, that's kind of the beauty of this. Again, if we've been seeing all these readings as an insight into Jesus as the access point, then what he's saying here is, yes, you've had me in a very tangible way. You're not going to have that anymore, but that doesn't mean I've, you know, again, at the end of Matthew, he says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. How? Well, in a lot of different ways, one of which is through the Spirit that he gives to continue on his mission, continue communicating. He gives us also the Eucharist, where he's there in a tangible, physical, you know, tasteable way. An accessible Accessible. So it is, I mean, it's another step toward the access point that Jesus gives. The Father never really is mentioned in these readings, which I think is a bummer. At least not explicitly. He's there, obviously. No. Actually, except for everything that the Father has is mine. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's that one. (laughs) Aside from that. Aside from the time that he's explicitly mentioned. He's not really explicitly mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and in the Proverbs as well, when the Lord established the heavens. Yes. It's Yahweh's the word, name Yahweh. Yeah, I mean, th- this reading from John, I feel like we've had a ton of it. I feel like we've heard, read this one maybe four or five times this, like, over Lent and I Easter. I think we have. Like, it just feels like this is this is really at the core of what's happening in this year of faith is, yeah. is that we really have to believe that what is given is real. The Spirit is really actually given to us, and yeah. that what Jesus has guided us into is is actually from the father it is actually connected and it is real like and that um that the 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 access that we have and the the um the um reality that we can take creation's marrow and the relationship that we have with god with ourselves and with our neighbor and and actually have access to grace in the midst of all of it we have to take it seriously yeah that's um that's really where we end up in trinity sunday is that this is We've been invited into this, and the, the snow globe of reality uh, is, to, it's just like, if you want grace, to reach out and grab it, because it is there, and you have access. It's just like Jesus with the, the woman with the hemorrhage, remember, in the story in the Gospels, who literally reaches up and touches the hem of his garment, and she's yeah. healed instantly. That's what I'm always reminded of there, that yeah. that's the kind of access we have. Just reach out, just grab it. It's right there. I think a great book about to actually help people to get into this is um, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, like that, the providential way is actually that way of just being able to say, I can I, I can get it. It's, yeah. It's here and, and it's it's everywhere, it, it, down to the depths of the best author's intentionalities. Totally. Cool. Well, friends. Well, friends. Do we have any shout outs? I gave them at the beginning, didn't I? Oh, yeah, you did. Do we have anything else? Any, any other shout outs? Um. <laughs> Hi, mom. Hello, mom. I don't know if my mom listens. To I, don't, I don't either. But I I don't know if my I don't know if my mom makes it to the end. This, this, <laughs> she's like, that was nice, son. I don't I know enjoy. if anybody makes it to the end. I don't either. But if if you've been if you're listening at this, are still point, here. We love you. We do, and uh, we're glad that you joined us today. Hey, here's what you should do. You should help us to get to 300 likes on Facebook. Oh, because okay. it wouldn't take that that much no no so share this with your friends so do it share it with your friends share it with your mom share it with your you know when you're given the sign of peace in mass be like hey check out Linky guy. share with your kids share with your wife <laughs> no don't 
<laughs> I know where you're going with that. <laughs> I don't even know if you know where you're going I with that. I know where I'm going with okay, that. Okay, good. Yeah, share it with your friends. Check us out on, on Facebook. Send us an email, lankyguys at thomascenter.org. And we will be seeing you. And give us some more shout-outs. We need to shout more people out, too. Yeah. And we'll do it cooler than we've done it. We've, we've been lame in it. I'll even sing it if I'll, you want. I'll even say it in a German accent. I will put it in iambic pentameter for you in a German <laughs> accent. We love you. Bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.